0: 1 Kings 18, we'll read verses 38 through 40. The Bible says, Then Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, He is the Mighty One. Yahweh, He is the Mighty One. Verse 40 is our text for today. It says, Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts this day. We have come to a text of Scripture that would be easily overlooked or condemned in today's world. Not just in the heathen world, but in the Christian world. It isn't the most pleasant of verses to teach on, but it is just as much a part of this account as the prayer of Elijah that we covered in last week's message. Now, I want to begin today by encouraging everybody to believe all of Scripture. Believe it all. It is easier to dismiss or not deal with the verses that go against what we think or that make us feel uncomfortable, but... The easy route is not always the correct route. No matter what subject we study, we're doing ourselves and others that we speak to an injustice if we cherry pick which verses we want to keep and believe. I sent out a tweet one time. It's a good means of communication in the 21st century. The Bible is not a cafeteria, a smorgasbord, a golden corral, or a Ryan's for us people that remember Ryan's. where you can look and pick what you want and pass by what you don't want. That's not how we do Yahweh's Word. We believe all of Yahweh's Word. So with the case at hand, we have a clear verse where Yahweh's prophet, Elijah, orders the slaughter of 450 prophets of Baal just after the contest. All of them were executed, put to death. 450 people died that day, and they died justly. Well, that's just too gruesome. That's just too Old Testament. That's just too out there for me to accept and believe, people will say. Well, you do have the option of cutting this part out of your Bible. I have talked with people before that have done that. They have cut parts out of their Bible. I really have. I'm not making that up. And you have that option. You can do that, but you will be taking away from the inspired word of Yahweh. You will be taking away from the justice and the wrath of Yahweh. Israel was called to be a theonomy or a theocracy, which means a nation that is ruled or governed by Yahweh's law. Part of this rule commanded that those from inside the nation who attempted to lead one another astray into idolatry or the worship of other mighty ones were to be punished with the death penalty. Now, I'd like to show you a few scriptures in the law that speak to this. I have these on the screen, so you can turn to them if you'd like. The first is Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. Let's read that. If a prophet or someone who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or wonder to you, And that sign or wonder He has promised you comes about, but He says, Let us follow other Elohim, other mighty ones, which you have not known, and let us worship them. Do not listen to that prophet's words or to that dreamer, for Yahweh, your mighty one, is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh, your mighty one, with all your heart and all your soul. You must follow Yahweh, your mighty one, and fear Him. You must keep His commands and listen to His voice You must worship him and remain faithful to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against Yahweh your mighty one who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from the way Yahweh your mighty one has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. Now, this was the law of Yahweh but the law was not always carried out properly. In the case we have at hand in 1 Kings 18, the law had not been followed. There was rampant idolatry in Israel. For we have even the king of the nation involved in the apostasy, King Ahab, who did more wickedness than any of the kings of Israel that had gone before him. The king was to govern by the law of Yahweh, Deuteronomy chapter 17. He was to read in the law of Yahweh every day and to rule the people by that law, that wise law. But Ahab had turned from Yahweh, and just about, not all, but just about all of the nation had done the same. It was so bad that one, Yahweh's altar had been torn down. Remember last week, Elijah had to repair the altar. Number two, Yahweh's prophets had been slain. And number three, Israel had abandoned Yahweh's covenant. Elijah was the only active prophet left. So he organized his contest on Mount Carmel. And I believe that Elijah knew what he was going to do with the prophets of Baal the whole time. But the contest had to happen so that the people recognized that Yahweh was still in control. And that's what the majority of them did that day. When the fire fell from heaven and consumed everything, they fell face down. Yahweh, He is the Mighty One. Let's read some more in Deuteronomy 13, this time verses 6 through 11. If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your closest friend, secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and worship other mighty ones, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Any of the mighty ones of the peoples around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you must not yield to him or listen to him, show him no pity, And do not spare him or shield him. Instead, you must kill him. Your hand is to be the first against him to put him to death. And then the hands of all the people. Stone him to death for trying to turn you away from Yahweh your mighty one who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. All Israel will hear and be afraid. And they will no longer do anything evil like this among you. I told you this was going to be a tough message. Not tough because it's difficult to understand. Not hard to understand. But it's tough in the sense that it does not sit well with our flesh. Our fleshly nature. It's a sobering chapter. It's not a chapter that you would say like, let's read the Psalms to gain some encouragement. Or let's read the Proverbs to gain some wisdom. Deuteronomy 13 is a passage about death. Just death. But it's a passage about death. It's a very sobering text. It says your brother your child, your wife, the closest friend that you have, if they were to come to your tent and secret and entice you and say, hey, Baal is a great mighty one. And all these Baal worshipers, it seems like they're just doing better than we are. And Dagon's another great mighty one, so we could maybe have two, and maybe we could add in Asterith here. As a goddess, we could have three. If somebody does that, And they say, let's leave Yahweh and tries to entice you to serve other mighty ones. Yahweh told Moses to tell the children of Israel, if you find somebody that's doing that in the camp, they're to be put to death. They're to be killed. They're to be executed. Because they were trying to turn you away from Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, verse 5 said, you must purge the evil from among you. And verse 11 said, all Israel will hear, be afraid, and stop their evil. In other words, capital punishment, the death penalty, was to be a deterrent to future crimes. The harsh punishment was to act as a safeguard for it happening again. Because I judge what I believe by the Bible, Brother Matthew is pro-capital punishment. I believe capital punishment is just and righteous. And the only reason I believe that is because I believe Yahweh knows best. And Yahweh believes it in the Bible. That's the only reason I believe that. So I can't go against what Yahweh says. It's a deterrent to crime. Here the crime is idolatry or apostasy. If the death penalty took place, the law was carried out properly, could the crime happen again? Sure. It's possible. It could happen again, but it's not nearly as likely as the first time. And it was also likely that if it did happen again, it would be a while before the next enticement took place. And this is why when they watched, when the nation watched a person be put to death for trying to entice them to other gods, other mighty ones, fear would be placed in the hearts of the Israelites because somebody's brother had to die. Somebody's wife had to die. Somebody's closest friend had to die. Somebody's child had to die. Fear would be placed in their hearts. And as verse 11 says, they would be afraid and stop their evil. We don't want this to happen again. Yahweh's laws are perfect, all of them, including this one, including this one. Now, look at Deuteronomy 17, verses 2 through 7. If a man or woman among you in one of your towns that Yahweh your Mighty One will give you is discovered doing evil in the sight of Yahweh your Mighty One and violating His covenant and has gone to worship other Mighty Ones by bowing down to the sun, moon, all, all the stars in the sky which I have forbidden. So this is like first and second commandment transgression. Other mighty ones, idols, things of that nature. And if you are told or hear about it, you must investigate it thoroughly if the report turns out to be true that this detestable thing has happened in Israel. You must bring out to your gates that man or woman who has done this evil thing and stone them to death. The one condemned to die is to be executed on the testimony of two or three witnesses. No one is to be executed on the testimony of a single witness. The witness's hands are to be the first in putting him to death. And after that, the hands of all the people. You must purge the evil from you. Notice again at the end there in verse 7, the purging of the evil from among the people of Israel. Ideally, The Israelites were called to follow these instructions at all times and at all costs, but because they were fleshly just like we are, they didn't always do that. They often neglected the commands that called for the death penalty. Sometimes they did not. There are cases in the Bible where the death penalty was carried out. Achan, Joshua chapter 6, the man that broke the Sabbath, Numbers 15, the son of the Israelitish woman in Leviticus I can't remember the chapter, but it's somewhere in Leviticus. Here we have cases where the death penalty was carried out in the camp of Israel. But most of the time, these commands were neglected because you can see they're very difficult to our fleshly nature. And the result, when the commands were neglected, the result was that the apostasy and the idolatry did what? It spread. It spread. People began to follow other mighty ones, such as the case in 1 Kings 18, 16-18, through 18, King Ahab, top man, supposed to be top man in Israel, followed Baal. Built Baal a temple, set up an Asherah pole outside of the temple. He was not a worshiper of Yahweh at that time. He was a worshiper of Baal. Now, these commands are the backdrop to the prophet Elijah's actions in 1 Kings 18.40. All three texts that we just read in Deuteronomy. That's the backdrop to our opening verse. It was not that Elijah lost his temper It was not that Elijah was trying to be macho. King Ahab had fallen into idolatry himself. He had been enticed by others, so the prophet Elijah was picking up the slack of the king, so to speak. Elijah was obeying Yahweh's law when he slaughtered the 450 prophets of Baal, the laws that we just read. After the contest, Elijah purged the evil from among the people. Prophets of Baal had done enough damage. It was time to get rid of them. It was time to do what the Holy Yahweh and His Holy Law had commanded. 450 people slaughtered at the brook Kishon. So when the downpour of the rain began shortly after this, the blood and the bodies of the slain would be washed away from the brook into the sea. It's a sobering picture, but it is a biblical picture, whether or not we like it. See, sin is not something to play around with and unrepentant sinners are not people to fellowship with. And it is because they will begin to rub off on you in a bad way. Now you hear me preach much about Yahweh's grace and mercy and love. And that is because the Bible teaches that Yahweh is gracious and merciful and loving to sinners because that's all that there are. But you must understand this. He is gracious and merciful and loving to repentant sinners. To sinners who repent. And as our dear brother John the Baptizer said, to sinners who bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. That's works. That's commandment keeping. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. There is one person in this verse who realizes that they are a sinner and they confess that and they strive to follow the law of Yahweh. He or she struggles but knows that he or she needs help. They fall but they get back up. They sin, but they ask for forgiveness. And they don't ask for forgiveness because they get caught. They ask for forgiveness because they hurt and they grieve Yahweh. They realize, remember when David did his sinning there as a king? And he says in Psalm 51 in that great, beautiful, repentant psalm, he says, against you, Yahweh, have I sinned. That didn't mean he had not sinned against anybody on the earth, but ultimately it was against the Almighty Heavenly Father. So this person desires to do better. They are not a lawless or practicing sinner. There is another person in this verse who cares not that they are a sinner. They live their life for their self. I've never liked that slogan. You hear it a lot of times in this modern age. I live my life for myself. I don't worry about what everybody else does. I live for myself. I don't like that. I don't think Yahweh likes it. Uh, The Bible does not teach that followers of Yahweh live their life for their self. The Bible teaches that followers of Yahweh live their life for Yahweh. You do what He would have you to do. Not what you want, think, but what Yahweh wants and thinks. So this other person at the beginning of the verse, they care not that they're a sinner. They live for their self. They love sin. They drink sin down like it was a glass of cold water on a hot day. They care nothing about Yahweh. They care nothing about their neighbor. They're not interested in Yahweh's laws. They're a lawless, unrepentant sinner. This second type of sinner will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Be not deceived. The man or the woman who lives a lifestyle of sin, the man or woman who practices sin, the man or woman who entices others to sin, they will have their part in the lake of fire which is the second death. You will be purged from the kingdom of Yahweh if you're not interested in brokenness, in repentance, in confession of sin, in renouncing sin, and in living a righteous life. You will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. That's what the Bible teaches Sin is only a pleasure for a season. There is no lasting joy in sin. Listen to me. It will break me. It will break you. It will break your family. And it will break everybody that you come into contact with. I've seen it happen. It is not something to be played around with. And as saints, we should not fellowship with people who play around with sin. We are to confess sin to the Father we're to confess if we sin against the loved one, we're to confess to our loved one, repent to them. Then we are to renounce that sin, we are to forsake that sin, and we will find mercy, Proverbs twenty eight, verse thirteen, when we do that. And then sometimes, as we've learned tonight, we have to forsake those who we love because they only try to entice us to commit lawlessness more and more. Remember Deuteronomy thirteen six, brother. Closest friend, wife, son or daughter. Difficult. It's Bible. The good news is, is that when you do confess, renounce and forsake sin, the father is waiting with open arms ready to throw a feast just like the parable of the prodigal son. Now, catch this. The prophets of Baal were executed in First Kings 18 verse 40 but King Ahab Rotten, wicked king Ahab, one of the men that the prophets of Baal had enticed and who had followed their enticement. Catch this. Ahab, here, found mercy. Mercy is when Yahweh owes you punishment, but withholds it from you based upon his merciful nature. Ahab found mercy. This must mean that there was some form of repentance in king Ahab's heart. Why do I say that? Well, in the very next verse, verse 41, Elijah tells Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink. That's a feast. Eat and drink. For there is the sound of a rainstorm. Ahab was spared. He did not get slaughtered with the prophets of Baal. And he feasted. And you will feast too. But only if you have repentance. No repentance equals no forgiveness from Yahweh. Yes, repentance equals yes, forgiveness from Yahweh. Yahweh is not a mean mighty one. But He's a holy mighty one. He's a just mighty one. He's not just a mighty one of love. He's also a mighty one of wrath and judgment. Let's not exalt one of His attributes over the other. Okay? Now, next week, we're going to veer off of 1 Kings 18 a little bit to two New Testament passages, and we're going to see how some of these laws in Deuteronomy actually do apply to us today. Even though we're not under a righteous civil body politic, they still apply to us in principle today. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew chapter 18, so maybe you can study those texts throughout the week. No, this wasn't the most jolly of sermons, but it's in the Bible, so we have to preach the whole Bible, mean, Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Almighty Yahweh, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truths. We ask that You would help us to not just believe Your Scriptures, but to believe all of Your Scriptures. And Father Yahweh, we thank You for righteous men like Elijah, who are willing to carry out Your commands, not just a command to live by a brook or to go to a widow, but to execute the death penalty upon people that lead Israel astray to worship other mighty ones. Help us, Yahweh, to believe Your Word, to receive it, to not try to apologize for it. I love You because You first loved me. Through your Son, I pray. Amen. God, we bless you. Cheryl.